You're listening to Inside the Athletic Mind with your hosts, Taylor Cook and Lauren Williams. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Athletic Mind, where we dig deep and shed light on the mental side of sports for female athletes and coaches by having open conversations about mental health, mindset, and performance. Third time's a charm. Let's go. You know what? Sometimes you got to start and then start again and then start again. So this is going to be the best one yet. Yeah. All right. So we're here for the third time, but you're here for the first time. Um, we're, we're super excited to get this one going. Cause we're talking about something that, um, has affected us deeply as athletes. Um, and we've, we've talked about this before, but we're going to take you deeper into our own athletic mindsets, um, and talk about how mental skills training has impacted our ability to show up and perform at our best, um, as well as highlight maybe some other athletes that are using it and, give you a sneak peek into our stories, um, as well as share some more information on a program that has certainly changed my life. Um, and that we are now using as coaches to help, uh, change the way that the athletes we work with see the game and and how they're able to navigate through that process of being an elite athlete, um, and getting into the brain training for athletes program so that, you know, we can let you all know a little bit more about what's going on on that side of things in, in terms of our coaching. But yeah, Taylor, how do you feel about this whole thing? I love it. I'm super excited. Um, I could talk about this topic, I think, endlessly. Um, and I mean, we talk about the power of sharing stories all the time. And we've had some really great guests on to share theirs. And we're definitely going to have some more amazing guests on in the upcoming weeks and months as we get deeper into the podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, without the coaching that I've gone through, um, I don't think I would be where I am today by any means. And even before doing like the formal mental coaching, I read a lot of books about mental performance and like kind of picked up a little like tips and tricks from books here and there about athletes that have used mental performance coaching for themselves. So like that's been something that I was able to apply to my game at that point in time when I didn't have, you know, the right network or contacts to access those kind of services or really know kind of how to go about that process. So, yeah, I mean, it was a huge game changer for me. I think it was obviously a game changer for you as well, as you were saying. So um, of course I'm super excited to, to share more about like the brain training for athletes program and how that can help all of the listeners, you know, mm-hmm. take the first step into the mental uh, the mental coaching realm and how it can actually really help elevate and impact their performance in a positive way. Um, but that being said, before we really dive into it, um, we always kick off the podcast by, you know, huge thank you to everybody that's listening. And of course, asking you guys to share on social media, share with friends, and of course, to rate and review the podcast. And Uh, As a special treat, Lauren and myself, uh, we are going to be offering a free deep dive session uh, for one lucky person that sends in a review or rating on Apple or Spotify. And in the upcoming weeks, we will just choose somebody at random, send them a message and uh, yeah, 
get started with them for free on their mental coaching journey. Oh, I love it. Deep dive changed my life at one point, right? Like you get asked all these questions about yourself. And I, I remember repeatedly thinking like, I have never asked myself that question before. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the answer is because I've never asked myself, who am I truly? Mm-hmm. It's such an intimate, it can be an intimidating experience for sure. But once you get over that hump of like, wow, I know so little, that's scary into the realms of, oh my gosh, this is starting to make sense because this is what I do on a daily basis. It's so mm-hmm. empowering, but I wanted, I wanted to add, I, I find it so interesting that you found help in books because I struggled with books for so long because I had this idea in my head, like, especially with non athlete written books. So I'm talking like a sports psych wrote it or a coach wrote it or whatever. I was like, this doesn't apply to me. This is not my story. And I had a really hard time getting through those books until I got to a section that was solely about one athlete's story. Mm-hmm. Cause then I found that I was able to like put myself in their shoes and understand what was going on. Yeah. But when I was reading a book that was just like regurgitating all of these kind of mental skills at me, I was like, all right, great, sweet, awesome tool. Not going to use it. Cause I don't see how it applies. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggled with books a lot. So like actually getting into, um, a space where I had somebody sitting in front of me, um, talking to me about my experience and then sharing a bit of theirs and how it related to my own scenarios mm-hmm. was what really got me in the door. I wish that books had helped a little sooner because it might have, might have saved me some grief when I was in like ninth and 10th grade, but yeah, well, I mean, I think I it's, I think it's kind of hard for younger people, like the book situation. Um, and maybe it's because like, I find that I'm like, I was very mature for my age. Like I've always been like a few years older than my, the actual like date on my birth certificate, you know, um, I call myself an old soul very frequently. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, I mean, it goes back to like the very first episode, you know, I gave the book recommendation of, um, mind gym. Like that was the first book that I read. And I think it was such a pivotal book for me because not only did it incorporate some of the tools and strategies that you can use to help improve your performance, um, but it also did that in a way where you were kind of sitting in the athlete's shoes. They gave very specific stories for the athletes they were talking about throughout the book. And it was also in like very bite-sized, like manageable chunks to read. So you didn't feel like very overwhelmed of like, okay, the first chapter is like a hundred pages long. Like, okay, how am I going to chunk that down? And how am I going to work my way through it? It was like, okay, this like lesson here is about accountability and it's literally 10 pages long. I can sit for 20 minutes, like most honestly, and work my way through that. And okay. Like what points am I able to pull from that and apply it to my own game, whether that's on or off the ice court field, whatever, whatever sport it is that you play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting in in the fact that like, we all learn differently, I think, Mm -hmm. but I do think we have a common modality of learning and that's from each other Mm -hmm. and like we're just set up that way as human beings we want to be in groups we want to find people who are like us we want to identify with other people's situations because we're social learners Um, and I think 
ultimately that's why I ended up connecting so well with my coach and why this stuff ended up helping me so much is because like I was having conversations with somebody about stuff that had been running around in my head for years. And then hearing someone say, yeah, that makes total sense. Here's Mm -hmm. how that also impacted me was like mind shattering to have that reflection of meaning in terms of, wow, I'm not the only one who's having these completely terrifying, paralyzing thoughts when I'm on the ice. Great. That's an awesome place (laughs) to start. Well, and it's funny that you say that, right? Because like a lot of it does come back to the connections that we have and like the outlets that we have with people. And that's not just like within the team, but that's also outside the team as well. And I think that's like one of the greatest benefits of working with a coach. That's not like you're obviously you're a coach, um, but it's somebody who's outside. They have that objective perspective. They have the experience to say like, I understand what you're going through because I've been in your shoes before myself and they can say okay like here's some of the tools that you can use to help get you through this and you know just as like an additional piece of advice like this is what I did and like not saying that you have to do exactly what I did but maybe it's going to resonate for you and that's going to like sit well and you're like okay like okay like I should be doing this in this way rather than this way right like you have somebody who's got the experience they've got the expertise and I think my favorite thing is like working with athletes in our own sport because yeah. like you want someone that understands like 100% what, what you're talking about like yeah I don't play basketball I don't play volleyball I understand some terms but there's obviously going to be a disconnect in a sense where it's like Mm, I don't know what that means. You're going to have to explain it to me. Yeah. And that's not really what you want to be doing during a coaching session. In my personal opinion, I'm sure that there's like a lot of coaches who are super multifaceted, which is mm-hmm. amazing, but I love working like with, with athletes in, in hockey specifically. Yeah. I, I find it. I have two things to go off of. The first one that I'm going to say is like, sometimes I love getting an athlete who's playing a different sport especially if I've like dabbled in it at some point in my life. Like at Mm -hmm. one point I was, I was playing every school sport because I had to, if I wasn't the best in every school sport, I like, it wasn't good enough for me. Problematic Problematic thinking. If I wasn't playing every sport, I wasn't good enough. But Mm -hmm. anyways, um, yeah, I played volleyball, I played soccer track, like all that kind of stuff. But the thing that I love getting curious about is like, if I was talking to a coach, who had played my sport in high school, I'd brush them off so quick and be like, yeah, whatever you played at high school, I'm playing at like the highest level. Mm. And it's, and, and I know that that's kind of, especially for a lot of elite athletes, like that's the gut reaction. It's like, you don't get it because you're not here. Mm -hmm. So I find it really interesting to like take the base knowledge that I have about a sport that I didn't become elite in and apply that to how I know elite level sports works and like the pressures that occurred in my own experience and the experience of other student athletes, I think is, is really interesting. And it's kind of like, I want to respect the fact that they're experts in a different field than me, Mm -hmm. but also be able to say like, just because you're in a different field doesn't mean that I don't get it and that we can't learn from each other. Right. So it's, Mm -hmm. Well, of course. And I mean, like the coaching process is about teamwork, right? And Mm. I mean, we are constantly learning from one another. Like when I work with my clients, like there's 
definitely like little tidbits that I get back from them too. And I, I'll never forget uh, one of my first clients, we were talking about like her continuing to play uh, professionally and like, where does she want to go the following season? And for, I mean, those of you that don't know, I'm kind of straddling that nice line of like athlete and coach right now. So I don't really know what's going on. Um, I want to play, but there's not a lot of opportunities to be playing especially as a goaltender in women's hockey in Europe. Like it's a very select market right now. Um, so like, you know, I got a piece of information or like advice from her. And it was just like, if you still have gas left in the tank, like you just got to fucking go for it. And like, sometimes you just need to have somebody tell you straight up, like just fucking do it. You know what I mean? So like, it's it's definitely like a mutual relationship in that sense where like we're teaching them but they're also teaching us as well yeah and if we we can kind of shift over to i i'm gonna describe this as the double-edged sword and mental gauntlet that brings us to the table right now and that is that every athlete and every coach wants to be and have the consistent athlete mm-hmm the elephant in the room is nobody talks about how freaking difficult it is to be consistent. Consistency is like an absolute enigma mm-hmm. for a lot of athletes, right? They've got no idea how to be consistent because their consistency depends on so many different things. A lot of it being external to themselves, which is problem number one. <laughs> problem number one. Absolutely. Um, but yet they, they get told all the time, right? Like I remember going into my coach's offices and saying, what do I got to do? You need to be more consistent. You're doing everything right, but you need to be more consistent. I was like, great. How the fuck do I do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually said that to my coach one day. Great. How the F do I do that? Please. And me. the response was crickets because <laughs> nobody else can tell you. No, yeah. no coach can tell you how to show up for yourself, right? Like that's something that you have to figure out for yourself mm-hmm. or get a performance coach who is trained in giving these kind of tools. Like that's the kind of resource you need, mm-hmm. not a coach who's trying to like utilize your skills and assets on the ice while ultimately keeping in mind the team goal. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's a double-edged sword because we all know how important it is and how valuable it is to be consistent yet it's one of the hardest things to master. It's one of the hardest things to understand fully. So I don't think a part of the reason that it's so difficult is because like, you can't just like start saying, okay, I'm going to be consistent. Like, that's not how that works. Like it's different if you're saying like, okay, like I'm going to go to the gym X amount of days, like sure. But are you really showing up in a consistent manner? Even if you're going to the gym doesn't necessarily mean if you're consistently putting in the same level of work. Right. Right. So like you can show up at the rink for practice every, every single day of the week, but if you're not performing consistently and it it means shit. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Like the consistency piece starts with where we always start with all of our clients And that is the self-awareness piece, because if you don't know where it is that your weaknesses are, where it is you're lacking, also where your strengths are and like what you can be playing to, then you're not going to be able to jump into any sort of consistent level of play because you don't really understand yourself physically, mentally, emotionally as an athlete. 100%. How are you supposed to solve a problem that you don't even know is there? (laughs) That is the question, isn't it? Yeah. And 
the other piece of that too is like when you look in um like popular media or any kind of examples for how people behave consistently it looks like all external stuff Mm -hmm. right so like oh you hear athletes with their superstitions I got to put my left side on before my right I've got to have you know a freaking purple Gatorade before every game I've got to have this meal or whatever Mm -hmm. and I had some of those I think every athlete does for sure but what happened when I got on the road and I couldn't have two eggs with bacon and two pieces of toast there's Mm -hmm. one thing for my consistency out the door and that turned into like a scapegoat in my brain for like, oh, if you play bad, it's because you didn't have your breakfast mm-hmm. when you wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of athletes that were like that too. And it's like, hey, like if you don't have that, then like, what is it that you're going to do? Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, like how, I don't know how I like did this myself because for me, like when we had home games, I had a very specific breakfast before going to the game. I knew how I liked to feel on the ice. I didn't want to eat too much. Didn't want to have anything too heavy. Um, but when we were on the roads, we always had to eat like what was served to us, which was typically a pasta of some sort with like chicken or whatever the case was. Um, and somehow I managed to like properly adapt to those situations. And like, it wasn't always consistent on the road either. Like sometimes we did have like pasta. Other times we had like, big stop breakfast which is like literally the gas station breakfast (laughs) the food there was great do not get me wrong but I think I was like so in tune with how I wanted to feel like I could intuitively tell okay like this is what I should be eating to feel this certain way Mm -hmm. so it wasn't so much a like a dependency on I need to have this 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 and this order but it was like I need to do this to feel this way. And if I feel this way, then I'll be able to play well. And to a certain extent, I think that's better than like having to have like specifics and not being able to get them. But I also couldn't like just solely rely on feeling a certain way before a game either, because if that feeling never came, then I would be going into a game feeling like I'm not prepared. I'm not going to play well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think, and that's, I get asked this question all the time. It's like, are superstitions a good thing? And I think that maybe some of the rituals are okay. I think rituals are different than superstitions. Um, if you have a ritual of like putting your left stuff on before your right, like I know that's a pretty common one, um, at least with hockey players. Um, maybe you have a ritual of like taping your stick before games or whatever those I think those are fine when they Mm -hmm. become superstitions is like if you cannot execute it to xyz then it completely throws you off for the rest of the day like that's not okay there's a difference between routine and and superstition for sure yeah and and there there are like there are always going to be threats to being able to get that stuff done Mm -hmm. like what if the bus breaks down before you know you get to the rink been there a few times before it's not fun yeah maybe you don't have time to take your stick okay are you gonna make it through um what if you know what if you've got to get your skate sharpened and your left one is really messed up and you're at a time crunch and you need to put your right one on first 
Mm. like that kind of stuff happens and your game should not be thrown off by like those tiny insignificant things so like that's the difference between Mm. rituals or routines and superstitions for me I mean when you look at the bigger picture too like do you really think that if you're putting on your right skate before your left that affects your talent level in any way shape or form like Mm. no it has zero effect on the talent it's all like a mentality thing which yeah. is exactly why we're talking about like the importance of doing the mental training because we're going to help give you the tools that you need to prepare for your games properly to stay consistent and to also help recover not just from games obviously but from practices and trainings and stuff as well right oh my gosh hey in uh <laughs> in the college level you are practicing double the amount of time that you're playing games at mm-hmm. least so if you're not recovering from practice, we need to have a conversation <laughs> because yeah. you're not showing up as your best self for, for games, for sure. And we're not just talking about like stretching and rolling out and cooling down. We're talking like, okay, how did I perform in today's game? What went well for me? What, when, what wasn't so well? What can I be improving on? And what can I apply in practice the next time I step on the ice we're talking about mental recovery baby right like I I feel like a lot of people have probably never even heard that before like I know I didn't I've never heard of mental recovery until doing like the the formal performance coaching because for me it was just like okay like I had enough self-awareness to say like this goal here was my fault and it's because I made this move when I should have made this move okay in practice this week I'll work on that kind of thing but in terms of like what was it that I was doing well I didn't care if I didn't let a goal and I was happy but there's still mistakes that are being made that are not causing goals and there's still things that I can be working on to help improve my game even if they're not causing pucks to go into the back of the net yeah and I'll be the first to admit too, like for the beginning of my career, I was the kid that had like all the natural talent. So I could show up to the rink and just step on the ice without warming up or cooling down and be fine. The worst. Um, I know. I know. You were that guy. I look at myself when I was a kid now and I'm just like, just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> Letter um, to my younger self. Just you wait. Just you wait. That would be the title of a book that I would write to myself. Just you wait. Um, yeah, I was, I didn't need to do like the, the mental recovery, that kind of stuff. Cause I was just like, eh. I didn't even do physical recovery. Half the time I didn't cool down. Cause I just was like, oh, I'll show up and do the same thing tomorrow. And mm-hmm. So when I got into, into this kind of stuff and like using mental skills, I was like, so wait, I already don't do much of a physical recovery. And now you're asking me to spend five to 10 minutes doing mental recovery. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) But then my strategies broke, like they stopped working Mm. and it wasn't that I changed anything, but like I was maturing more, my body wasn't recovering as quickly I was under more stress mentally, physically, like jumping from high school to college was huge in terms of increasing stress for me. Mm -hmm. Those strategies weren't working anymore. And then my performance started to drop off and my overall mental well-being started to drop off. So it's like, all right, well, what are we going to do here? Mm -hmm. That took me asking the question, well, what am I not doing? 
that I probably should be. Physical recovery was on the top of that list and mental recovery was right next to it, not below it, not above it, but like right, right next to it. I needed to be doing both of those things. I also had to get over myself and thinking that I didn't need those two things. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I mean, to me, like that makes sense because I was kind of similar. Not, I mean, I didn't do any of like the mental recovery really, like not formally at least. Um, And like, it wasn't until I reached the junior level that I even like had or owned a foam roller. So I was like 18 years old by the time I started to like actually seriously focus on, I mean, not 18, maybe 17, but seriously focus on like stretching, rolling, flexibility, like warm up, cool down, like that kind of stuff. Like didn't really do any of it. And just like you, like, I also had like the natural talent, Mm -hmm. but it was just like the raw talent, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely messy, but for somebody who's never had any formal education or training, like fucking not too bad, you know? Yeah. Um, I was so messy, (laughs) so messy, raw talent. Oh, that's such a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. Like my, my old goalie coaches used to say like, you, you're like a hard worker but you look like a fucking fish out of water when you're in the net sometimes. <laughs> I said, okay, fair. You know, like I haven't had any technical training, so it's, it probably fits the bill, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, we talk about the importance of sharing stories and like how it's a lot easier to connect. So I think now is the perfect time for us to get into sharing a little bit of our stories in terms of like, what were some of the best games that we played? What were some of the absolute worst games that we played? And like, on a mental level for you, like what was the difference between those two games? Like, did you have the training? Did you not like, let's get into it. Frick. Um, frick. Frick. Frickin frack. Cause I knew that we were going to talk about this. And then you said like, let's talk specifically about one of the best games you've played. And I've been like racking my brain about it because, <laughs> um, number one there's just been a lot of games like I've played in a lot of games it's hard to remember them all yeah um I think most recently one of the best games that I've played was probably the second game that I played over in Sweden Mm. um and the reason why I think I ended up playing so well is because like I'd gotten the first game jitters out which again are like it's normal to have first game jitters when you haven't played in a while when it's a season opener whatever when you're in a new country when you don't speak the language shall we go on like, like maybe <laughs> so many maybe factors for that <laughs> new coaches new teammates it's fine um halfway through the season halfway through the season also that we can add that on um so like you get through the first first game and it was like a physical shock for me because I played almost 32 minutes in my first game back like that's a lot for a defenseman and mm-hmm. I was gassed and it kind of like I think that whole first game was just me getting adjusted I didn't have any goals except for that to like get to know my teammates to understand their habits um to understand where I was at physically because I hadn't played in a competitive game in a while mm-hmm. um and when I look back on that game I accomplished that stuff so I headed into game two knowing that like physically I was a little tired my legs were a little gas um and then my goals turned to like 
find a way to make an impact. Whether that was, I had a couple of things listed for that, like solid breakout passes, slowing the game down when I needed to, um, mentoring some of the younger girls on the bench and being able to say like, hey, instead of, you know, doing this, maybe try this, you had an open spot here, like all that kind of stuff. And I just remember thinking like, whatever you can do is what you can do. And I also had this feeling of whatever I'm bringing now is, is better than what they had before, right? Like I'm coming in as an addition to the team. Don't doubt yourself on that. You are an addition. So whatever you can bring is great. Just go out, play your best. And I, I always describe my best games as like, I hit the fuck it button. I just didn't care about whether or not I made a mistake, whether or not I scored, whether or not I got assists, like it didn't matter. It was just about like having fun, figuring out ways to improve and leaving the game better than I found it. Mm -hmm. So lucky for me, I also got like the external um, validation that I was playing well. Like I scored the overtime winner and I scored the game time goal. So like the amount of times I've had, and I got an assist, I've had one, mm-hmm. one three point game in my life. And it was that one. Flex in it. There we Literally. go. No, I'm <laughs> also beating myself up too, because I've <laughs> one three point game in like the 20 years I played hockey. But anywho, when I look back on like why that was my best game, it was because I had like before the game, remembered checking in with myself and doing a full body scan and keying in on what feels good. My lungs felt great. What feels meh. my legs definitely felt not a hundred percent. And I just looked at that and I acknowledged it and I was like, all right. So if your legs don't feel great, work on your legs. I foam rolled. I did more stretching and I actually like went for a little bit of a jog to get them moving again. Um, so I felt fully taken care of physically before I went into the game and then mentally I just remembered hey the games where you feel the best are the ones where you're having fun before a game where you're like laughing and smiling and you're not too serious so I made an actual effort in a group of girls that I had just met that week to do all those things because I knew that it supported my performance Hmm. Lauren in the past would have been like, absolutely not. You got to be super serious. You're new on the team. You don't know these people. Mm -hmm. So that was a big, a big piece was like keying in on what I knew worked for me in the past and actually following through on it. And then after the first five minutes, I did a check-in like, okay, how do you feel? How are your legs? After the first period, I did another check-in second period, third period. So I was really religious on like, okay, how are you doing right now? Um, and then after the game, just like taking stock of it. And I just, I just remember like being on the point in the offensive zone saying like, yeah, you better give me the puck. I want the puck. And if, if the other team have it, I just try to clear it on me. I dare you give me Mm -hmm. the puck right now and watch what I'll do with it. So that's like the kind of conversation that I'm having on a good day on a bad day or on a mentally unclear day, 
it's like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. I have to get the puck now. Holy shit. Someone's on my back. Like mm-hmm. you make a decision. Don't hesitate. You just need to go. Don't hesitate. And ahead of those games, it looks a lot more like going through the motions of a warm up and just doing whatever my teammates are doing. Um, not doing those full body scans and getting acquainted with the person that I am showing up at the rink as on that mm-hmm. day, um, not doing the check-ins. Like, have you ever had that experience where you're just so overwhelmed in a game? You're just like really excited to get back to the locker room in between periods to like get a snack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those games I'm like, Oh, thank God. There's a banana. I just need to eat a banana and chill out for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, Usually it's on games where we're getting outshot like 40 to like 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the physical cues for me is like, I normally start to get sore shoulders because physically my shoulders are up at my freaking ears. Cause I'm so tense. Um, and through knowledge that I've gained from other people, like my power skating coach, I remember having a conversation with him. I just ran him through the certification process with us. He was like, I could tell when you physically were not, or mentally were not there because physically your stride looked choppier and shorter. Um, you could tell that you weren't scanning the ice efficiently. Like you were really jerky and you looked panicked. Um, so I think like, it's huge, right? Because in that moment where I'm like, give me the puck, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do with it. Mm-hmm. In the moments where I'm like, holy shit, someone's going to give me the puck or like literally in my head going to back check, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> we have to put explicit on this episode. Every episode is explicit regardless of what we say. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's not, I am not thinking about what I'm going to do with it when I get it. Mm-hmm. It's like just surviving to the point where I do get it. Yeah. And you know what? Like uh, my coach in university, he kind of described that same thing that you were talking about as like urgency versus panic. Yeah. So it was like when you're urgent, it's like, give me the puck. I want the puck. Like I want it. Like I know what I'm going to do with it versus like being panicked. It's like, fuck, 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 fuck. Like, oh my God, like don't pass yeah. me the puck. You get the puck. You just like give like a shoddy pass or like dump it in the corner, like get it away from you kind of thing. Um, like that's, I think that's like a very telltale sign as to like mentally the kind of state that somebody's in. And as a goaltender, it's kind of similar. It's like, if somebody's coming on breakaway, it's like, fuck it, like bring it. I'm ready versus like, fuck, 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 fuck. And you're just like on your team. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, fuck, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Big difference. But yeah, I think it's like same concept for sure. Yeah. What about you? What does it feel like when you're like in flow and you're going in a game? Hmm. Very different from what you're saying, actually, because like, I'm, I'm the kind of person that's like pretty serious before going into a game. Um, and like, I know a lot of my teammates were like super goofy and love to just goof around and do stupid shit before the games. And I'm just watching them thinking like, what the fuck? Like, how can you guys get into like game mode? Like being so like distracted and, but I know it's, it works for some people, but for me, it just like, it's never, ever been a thing. Um, so before, for going into performance, like I always have very, um, 
strict like off ice ritual I guess um not so much time wise but like doing ball work to a point where I feel like I'm comfortable and I'm seeing the ball the way that I want to be seeing it like getting stretching and rolling before we even do like the team off ice warm up um and then I'd like to be um able to kind of step on the ice like for warm up a couple minutes before everybody else does um so I'm like out in the hall kind of like mentally just like focusing on on nothing really just like staring at the ground um and I think the reason I do that actually is because when I was younger um one of like the dad goalie coaches on our team like to help me get focused for the game he like took me out of the change room before we went on the ice and he put a puck in front of me and he told me to just sit there and like focus on that puck for like the next five minutes before going out to like be on the ice anyway that somehow worked its way in there. I love um, that stuff. <laughs> it's like so quirky, but it actually like works for some people. So, well, goalies are quirky. No offense, Taylor. I think I'm pretty normal in comparison to some of the guys out there, but I agree that checks 100%. out. <laughs> that checks out 100%. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's like a badge of honor for me, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when I'm actually on the ice and like I'm playing at my very best, like. I'm not thinking at all. Like there's no thoughts in my head. I'm just reacting to anything that's going on the ice because I can like kind of see it playing out in my head before it happens. Like my head's on a swivel. I know exactly where everybody is on the ice at all times. And like, I think for me, like my best, one of my best games in university um, was when we were playing against uh, Moncton and they were like one of the powerhouses in our league. And this game was like so fucked up. Like we had so many penalties. I think the final shot clock was like over 50 or something like that oh against. God. And we were winning. I'm pretty sure I had a shutout or like, yeah, actually, yeah, it was a shutout. God. Um, yeah, it was shut out on like 50 shots or something like that. And the last like almost two minutes of the game somebody on our team got a penalty and they, they pulled their goalie. So there was a six on four for two minutes. Gross. And I kid you not, I like made some desperation saves that I probably would like break my knees trying to do today if I were <laughs> to attempt it. Um, but I remember that game like pretty well. And like, I was like really loose on the ice, like just having a good time. Like and there was something that happened with the boards at one point. And I was, I don't know if anybody remembers, like there was like this video, this is would have been like 2017, 2018 or something like that, but video of this like young goalie or whatever. And he was just like skating around like a, like a figure skater. Yeah. So I literally started doing that when we were waiting for the boards to get, to get fixed. And my coach was just like shaking his head at me, like fucking like, what are you doing? Yeah. But I was just like having a good time or whatever, which is kind of weird because like I'm usually pretty serious when I'm on the ice, but that's probably one of the best games that I can recall playing um, just because it was like such a neck and neck game for the longest time and luckily ended up coming out with a W and, you know, kind of like against all odds in that situation of the penalties that we had and stuff and just being able to like mentally stay, stay centered for the entire game was mm -hmm. a big, a big thing for me. Um but let's contrast that with one of my worst games. <laughs> uh, you know, I think most goalies would kind of choose like a game where they've gotten scored on from 
either like from stupid distances or just had like an absurd amount of goals being scored on them. Um, but I don't really think that's like a fair representation of like mentally where you're at all the time. I think yeah. sometimes it's just like the team, uh, bad bounce. Sometimes it's like the way that the team's playing or whatever too. But for me, um, it's usually like in the closer games when it slips. So I don't actually think this was like a close game by any means. I think it was like four nothing or four one or something like that. But um, we were going into the first round of playoffs um, against St. FX. And it was, I think it was like the final game of three. So we had to win this game if we wanted to move on. And um, I think I just like wasn't mentally prepared enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like mentioned that I, I do that routine to a point where I felt ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but on this particular day, I think it was like, I couldn't feel ready enough almost like I was kind of mentally psyching myself out for it. Um, and I mean, I don't know how you are with game days when you're at, at Wisconsin, but for us, it was like, you got to post an Instagram picture on game day. Like that's just like how it always was. Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember, um, it was like a picture of like me on my post and I was like pretty zoned in and I was like, like praying the post is on my side tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, and after I post that, why'd I was you, like, why'd you I, put that into the world? <laughs> I, that's what I literally, like, after I post that, I was like, this is, that was a stupid mistake. I don't know why I <laughs> did that. Um, and yeah, they scored like three post and ends that game, but oh. mentally it fucking destroyed me because like, I kept saying to myself, like, don't let this in, don't let this in. Like, and I think obviously now looking back, I see like, that's part of the problem in the first place is don't let this in. Okay. Well, now I'm visualizing like a post going in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was, but that's a tough. funny thing though. Right. Cause like that should be a, a neutral thing to say, mm-hmm. but we put all of this like extra meaning onto it and it's like, Oh great. I just jinxed myself. And it's like, no, yeah. you, it's like the, oh, you're probably going to kill me when I say this, but like when goalies, when you say to a goalie like oh hey in the second period if they have a shutout it's like no that's that is neutral you are assigning a different meaning to it and I get this that's a superstition that is for sure actually and I don't get it it's not for everybody but like yeah I hate when people say that to me I I (laughs) yeah I don't hate you for it but I just hate that people actually say it like when I was playing in Norway like I was playing a great game and like it was pretty close game. Um, and just before going out for the third period, my coach who I, I tried not to like be so hard on him about it because I know that he wasn't like an elite coach or anything. Like if mm-hmm. you know anything about hockey in Norway. Um, and he was like, all right, let's go keep that donut. And I was like, why would you say that? <laughs> like, Oh God. Um, and then they ended up scoring a goal in the third period, which I mean, then it kind of makes you wonder like, okay, like, are you just like allowing that to get to you? Or is like, sometimes you just push it into the universe and like you jinx it. Do you know what I mean? But somebody else pushed that into your universe. Like that's mm. not, that's an external thing, right? Yeah. So then we can True. get into the conversation of like, how do you reframe whatever belief system is coming up for you? So it's like when somebody says that, it triggers a belief system within you that like, maybe you're not good enough to keep it. 
um, mm. or that you are totally subject to this now superstitious thing that's happened to you. Mm-hmm. And the reality of it is, is that you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Well, then maybe that's something that like I should be working on when I work with my goalies is like, it's all about the meaning that you give to it. Right. So if I'm giving the meaning of somebody saying like, let's go get a shutout or like, good, like keep the, keep the pucks out kind of thing. Like when you're at zero goals against like, yeah, maybe that's something that we have to work on and like change that stereotype for better you know what I mean like yeah maybe like that's... as soon as as soon as you hear like keep that donut maybe it's like keep the pucks out you reframe mm-hmm. that immediately to keep the pucks out so that every single time somebody's coming down on a breakaway or a two-on-one all you're thinking is just keep the puck out mm. um like shut it down like that's kind yeah. of like the mentally like that's kind of where I take that like shut, shut it, down. it down shut it down yeah. I like that yeah. Um, it's gonna make a note of that here shut it down well this is this is a great um I used this with a player the other week um I said to her I was like if I say the number five right now what does that mean she's like well I don't know the context and I said that's a point so what is it she's like it means nothing to me it's neutral okay but now if I tell you five goals she's like well that's pretty positive she's a player Hmm. so I was like okay but if I said that to a goalie they'd probably go straight to holy shit I've let in five goals but then five could also mean five shots against which goalies might be pretty happy about like hey my team's playing pretty well Hmm. so it's all about the meaning that we attribute to these things and and I think that's part of like the self-awareness uh piece of of what we do first with athletes is like we're trying to figure out what meaning you attribute to the stuff that's going on around you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times there's a lot of negative meaning to neutral stimuli. That's Making funny. a mistake doesn't have to be inherently negative. Everybody makes mistakes. It's nobody would score for learning. Yes. Nobody would score goals in hockey if nobody made a mistake. Yeah, that would be super boring. Super boring. If everyone was perfect playing hockey, we'd get nowhere. Like, how would it even work, though? Because, like, for a player to be perfect, they have to score goals. But for a goalie to be perfect, then, like, you need um, to Excuse not me, Taylor. Um, if To have a perfect game, I was not scoring goals. Because I'm a defenseman. A defensive. But it's all about how you define <laughs> success, right? Yeah. yeah. You shouldn't be defining success by how many goals you get, by the way. Please don't take that yeah. into consideration. <laughs> But it's, um, I don't know, it's interesting. Like getting to know your tendencies is so important. Mm-hmm. And you're not asking yourself these questions unless you're being directed in that area. Mm-hmm. Like when was the last time you ever asked yourself, oh, what's my, what if, if I get scored on, what is my initial thought? You know, you probably know what it is. Mm-hmm. but no one's like, ever asked you to think about it fuck okay like what just happened yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> now now I say that knowing I go through like the reframing process and stuff like that but Taylor before that point probably would have been like fuck like I should have had that or like I'm not a good enough goalie or whatever it was right like yeah mine was like wow, you suck. Everyone just saw that. 
Mm. That's where mine went. I was like super worried about the social judgment side of it. Mm -hmm. So like if I had friends in the stands watching me, I was like, wow, they think you're shit at hockey now. Mm. For me, Um, it was like the fear of like letting my team down, I think, especially when it was like the like either like high pressure games or like on games where like I just honestly played like asshole and like got like five or six goals against and I should have had at least like three or four of them like those are the games where I'm like I'm letting my team down Mm. Mm. but they also let those pucks get through to you so I know that's like the reframe that all the coaches give you is like there's five people ahead of you you're the last line of defense everybody plays a role on the team which is yeah. true 100 but it doesn't really take away from like kind of the self-criticism that a lot of players put on themselves when they make a mistake well right? and that's the whole point that we're trying to make is like you can have people say this stuff to you and try to bring you out of a negative place all they want but mm-hmm. until you do the work inside none of that lands you'll just brush it off and say like yeah you don't know what you're talking about because you don't know how I feel yeah exactly well Mm. well I'm like okay so if people that are listening maybe aren't resonating with our stories and then we have a couple people lined up in terms of like more well-known athletes um Mm. who I mean you can see the difference in their game and like that was by them working with performance coaches like mental skills training and stuff um for me like the one that came to mind uh was was jordan michael jordan who works with tim grover um if you haven't read his book relentless and i think he also has another one called winning that's out now too both really great books Mm -hmm. um he he is a relentless man like oh my god (laughs) like the the things i read in that book i was like holy jesus like yeah but that's what it takes to like be performing as as an elite athlete and a lot of athletes can't tap into that side of themselves until Mm -hmm. they do start working with a coach who can help them to consistently be playing lights out all the time yeah yeah I think I think like two big names that come to mind for me are Kobe Bryant and Tom Brady Mm -hmm. who like I know that Tom Brady does some some weird shit but that guy is like religious in his routine Mm -hmm. and you learn that from something right like you don't just want to do that by nature because it's Mm -hmm. strict it's hard it's challenging but like he's learned how to put himself into a routine that sets him up to succeed all the time Mm -hmm. and Kobe Bryant has like the whole mamba mentality thing where he just goes to a different place and Mm -hmm. again that's learned and what all of that does is it's a routine to allow people to get into that state of mind where they can be as consistent as possible, Mm -hmm. where they can get into those areas that they need to unlock the 10,000 plus hours of training and practice that they've done. Yeah. Cause that's what it's all about. Like if you're a lead in your sport and you've been playing it, you've hit that, that 10,000 hour quote. Mm Mm-hmm right? Like we're all there. I'm there. Mm -hmm. You're there. Yeah. But if you can't access it, then it's not helping you in the moment. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, like I was saying earlier, right? Like you don't just lose your talent overnight. 
Like, especially after you've hit that elite professional level where you put in the 10,000 plus hours, like you don't just lose your skills overnight. That's not how it works. The Mm -hmm. difference between you playing a great game versus playing a shit game the next day is all about what's going on between your, between your ears. And I think, you know, one of the examples that we give in the program is Tiger Woods. Yeah. Fucking unreal golf player back in the day not that he's not great now but like back in the day he was fucking top of leaderboard like unreal Mm -hmm. and then all of that bullshit that came out about like his personal life and all of that external stuff to his sport started to affect the way that he was playing he lost his confidence and the next thing you know he couldn't find the leaderboard Mm -hmm. If he was like, yeah, like he he was just, he couldn't do it. Right. And like, it's taken him, in my opinion, like years to be able to recover from that. But the only way to really do that was to like, take that step back and then figure out, okay, like, how is it that I can build myself like a, a strategy that's going to help me stay focused and help me like play consistently from hole to hole and get back up to where I was performing at before. Yeah. And I think like, you can also acknowledge too, that he's probably still figuring out some of the stuff away from the course, Mm -hmm. like on the course. I think that his mental game is top notch, right? Like we talk all the time about like the nine step rule that him and his dad made and, Mm -hmm. and how he moves on from mistakes, which in a game of golf, you have to be able to do that. Um, But like that car accident that he was in a couple of years ago, there's there's some fishy stuff going on there like why were you speeding in an area where you shouldn't be Mm -hmm. were you late like all that kind of stuff plays into it as well right like you have to set yourself up for success at every avenue on game day Mm -hmm. and that's not just at the rink or on the course or on the field that's like the morning leading up to it Mm -hmm. are you making sure that you're setting an alarm that's early enough are you planning out your day to make sure that you're getting all of your needs met on time that's a crucial part of the game and until you understand both the importance of routine and also how to create a sustainable routine you're not going to be able to do that Mm -hmm. and you know what now that we're talking about structure and planning and routine I think it's time to break into the actual content for the course so people have a better understanding as to what the fuck we're talking about yeah I was going to say, what would you say? Structure, planning, routine. Is that what you yeah. said? Uh-huh. I was going to say, these are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Julie Andrews, calm down over there. Oh God. Bring me back to my musical days. Um, <laughs> yeah. What the F are we talking about? Amazing things. Um, but I mean, if we really do like take some time to break it down here, um, it's a, would you say it's like four weeks? No, not four weeks, but like, no, I probably 16 I, weeks, 16, right? Well, I mean, depending on the pace that you go through it, I wouldn't recommend mm-hmm. going through like four each weeks level. Um, I would probably say it's around in between eight to 12, maybe okay. depending on the pace that you're moving through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It could take so, as much as 16, but definitely doesn't need to. No, definitely doesn't. I know I got through it in like eight, I think. It's yeah. pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so basically the structured outline for the brain training for athletes program 
is uh, we take you through the very first foundational tool, which is Mm -hmm. self-awareness. If you aren't aware that there's a problem, you can't fix it, right? So that's where we start off always with everybody, um, even when we're doing like just the the one-on-one coaching. Um, But then we get into the deep dive assessment, which just a friendly plug and reminder that to anybody who leaves a rating and review, you'll get a free deep dive assessment with either Lauren or myself. So please remember to put in those ratings and reviews because it's going to help you become a better athlete. And it's also going to help the podcast grow. Mm-hmm. Um, plug over. Thank you for entertaining that. Thank you for coming to my <laughs> TED talk. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but then we get into mindset mastery. So we're going to be talking about, you know, control and like what you can control versus what you can't control. Um, you know, how the mind actually works, you know, understanding like what's going on, how it is that we can uh, address some of the belief systems that we have rolling around the back of our head there. Um, and then to end off the first module, we talk about the emotional intelligence piece. So what are emotions? How can we um, manage those emotions? And also like, how can we use them to our advantage as well? And then we you know, pair that with some very, very helpful tools, because I think as athletes, it's very difficult to kind of gauge emotionally like where we're at sometimes just because it's not always talked about obviously it's getting more talked about now that we get more into like the mental health talks and stuff like that which I'm super super happy about um but this way you know you can learn to understand your own emotions and how that's impacting you not just like on the ice and in your performance but just like on a day-to-day basis as well 100 percent yeah I think yeah Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, I, I don't think that we can add in enough words about how important it is to build up your self-awareness um, and to understand where you're functioning at, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is your current level of functioning? What is your current level of understanding of where you are? Because that is like, foundation is not a word that we use lightly. Like, we mm-hmm. literally mean that this is the ground that you're standing on. Yeah. Um, it's what you're building the house on. And if you have a cracked foundation, you're going to run into huge structural issues later on. Mm -hmm. So like creating that really strong foundation is essential. And that's why I think it honestly takes the longest for athletes to get through that first level because Mm -hmm. the deep dive is 90 minutes of, of talking and of figuring things out. And it often doesn't end there. Like I left my deep dive thinking about things for like another hour or two mm-hmm. yeah that's typically how it goes I think mm-hmm. and then you just start like asking yourself more questions which like gets you kind of like a little bit deeper into like wanting to put in this work and realizing like just how deficit some of those strategies are for you mm-hmm. and like like you were saying before right like you had certain strategies that work up to a certain point in time and then they just came crumbling down and that's because there is a fault at the foundational point Mm-hmm. And that's why things break down once you get to an elite level. Yeah. So we, yeah, there's not enough words, like you said, to, to express just how important that first part is. Mm-hmm. Um, but from there, we get into module two, which we're going to start off with goal setting. Oh, uh, the yes. best, the yes. best, in my opinion. Um, we take you through the process of goal setting, you know, how to set attainable sustainable goals for yourself how to break those down um 
that's honestly one of my favorite things is working with athletes on setting goals, because I think a lot of athletes have goals that are really external to themselves. Like everybody wants to win the championship, um, which is a great goal to have, but okay. How can we bring that inside? How can we positively impact and affect that? And like, give it that extra 1% every day. That's going to help you and your team get to that goal. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, this module is all about learning how to bring uncontrollables into controllable things. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we jump into like the growth and fixed mindset, which I think most, most, most athletes know about, I would think. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically we're going to be working on how we can go from the fixed mindset into the growth mindset and giving you tools that are going to help you slowly inch towards always kind of being in that space and place of like I can do this I want to do this and like I can positively impact what it is I'm focusing on Mm -hmm. and then we get into the brain training 101 which actually talks a lot about what I enjoy is the visualization script um this Mm -hmm. is actually one of my one of my favorites next to like the goal setting piece I think is like the visualization scripts because as goaltenders, like we use visualization so much, but I wasn't aware as to just how impactful it can be until I learned about like, not just visualizing it in my head and like seeing it, but also like feeling what was going on and mm-hmm. like incorporating all the senses into it and like how much that really does help. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, uh, that's part of that. And then we, from there, go into like the goal getting, like case okay, putting a roadmap together as to how you can actually go and get those goals that you've just set for yourself at the beginning of the module. And then we get into like tracking and measuring, okay, you know, what is it that I can be focusing on every practice to get a little bit better at each time? Excuse me. <laughs> and then, uh, and then to get into like the performance audits and seeing, okay, like what went well during this game, what wasn't so well, what, what is it that I need to be working on moving forward? Um, and then you can like strategically kind of plan out how you're going to really work towards those goals. So it's the way I see the, the tracking and measuring is kind of like the, the micro and the goal setting is kind of like the macro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is definitely a movement from like sort of not, it shouldn't be considered abstract thinking because you're thinking about yourself and you're not an abstract concept, but we're kind of moving from like this idea of like, Hey, you're getting to know yourself. You're getting to know your tendencies into like the super practical side of, okay, now how do you apply tools on a daily basis Mm -hmm. to help you with those things that we identified early on? Yeah. There is a method to the madness. We promise. We probably <laughs> um, right, and so then we jump into the third module, which is talking all about state and all the different kinds of state. So we talk start with power of state, you know what it is, why it's important, all that stuff. Um, talking about being in a resourceful versus unresourceful state, um, and then we talk about like peak performance. Then we kind of break peak performance down into focus, motivated, and confident states. Um, and within each of those modules, we talk about the different tools and strategies that athletes can use to help improve each of those areas of performance. Um, and there's a ton of tools on this one, like a 10, which Rightfully we love. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so, right? You should be able to go to tools to get to this stuff. And 
it's like I said earlier. Um, I mean, I use the language of like, if you're an elite athlete, you have the 10,000 hours of work, but if you're not in the right state, you can't access it. Mm -hmm. And um, we go into like the neuroscience side of this in terms of like, if you're, if you're feeling scattered, if you're feeling panicked, the last thing that your brain is going to allocate energy to is creatively problem solving. So instead of your brain going back into the recesses and finding that 10,000 hours of work, it just kind of hits like that shit, you got to run. And that's the only thing that it's thinking. So Mm -hmm. out the door goes that 10,000 hours and in comes full-blown panic mode where all you're doing is trying to survive the moment. Mm -hmm. So how do we get away from urgency? Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And then the final module, um, currently anyway, we're going to be adding in some extra fun stuff that's super relatable um, for any athlete, any sport. But for the last module, it's all about like the mental part of your game, like the 360 view. So um, we start with the mental preparation. Like how is it that you can be applying those tools that we've learned about in the previous modules and add those into your preparation routine before going into any performance? Um, what consistency strategies can you be using to make sure that you're giving the same amount of effort all the time and showing up in your peak state as consistently as possible? Mental recovery, we've talked about a little bit already, um, the importance of like checking in with yourself after you've performed, um, how is it that we can like work to shift gears properly? And then the very final one is like pulling everything together where we kind of put together like a personal development plan um, geared towards like the 360 game day performance view. Okay, this is what has been working for you with preparation, consistency, recovery. All right, let's test this bad boy out on a game and see like how it works or does not work for you, but mm-hmm. most likely will work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and the other part of that is, is like, it's designed to be played around with, right? Like mm-hmm. this is a part of the course where at not this point, stone. well, yeah. And when, once you're in this part of the course, you've got, a huge handful of tools Mm -hmm. and we fully acknowledge that not every single one of them is going to work for you Mm -hmm. just like my story may not have made you say like oh wow that makes total sense whereas taylor's might have or vice versa Mm -hmm. we fully accept and acknowledge that not every single tool works for everybody on on the sense of like not everyone connects with it or not everyone feels that they need it So this is like this last module is really this, the final steps of refinement and you figuring out what works best for you, what's going to make that pregame routine that's rock solid for you, not for your teammates, not for your coaches, not for anybody else, but like specifically for you and your specific needs. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Individualized is how we like to put it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So that pretty much covers the structure of the program that we take athletes through. So now that we've kind of covered all of that fun, interesting information, um, this week you'll see on social media, we're going to be trying to like gauge interest as to anybody 
uh, any listeners who would want to be part of a group program coming up in the fall um, as you kind of like step into the season, at least for hockey players. Um, and so there's going to be some polls going up on our personal Instagram pages and of course the podcast page. And if you don't already follow Elite High Performance on Instagram, uh, it'll be up there as well. Mm-hmm. So the the goal here is to just see like if our listeners are interested in being a part of a group program and we'd have like a community aspect for all of you guys where you can share your stories and kind of like meet one another and um yeah like just kind of like share your experience and also you know how you're finding the course going for you and of course um, doing one of these group programs is like meeting once a week Lauren and I would be there uh, with you going through the content of the course and also doing some of the one-on-one coaching just in the group setting and that would be a 16-week program uh, just because we'd be covering one module every every not one module uh, one lesson every week Mm -hmm. so that's the pitch it would be super awesome to put one on we would absolutely love it um so let us know. Let us know if you're interested. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out to either Lauren or myself um, on any social media platform like LinkedIn, Instagram. We can toss our, our emails in the show notes as well for anybody yeah. that might want to learn some more. Um, anything else, Lauren? I mean, I can just add in, like, I think it's amazing. It's an amazing opportunity to get to do this with other people. Mm-hmm. If I could have gone through the brain training for athletes program with a group of people who are going through the same things as me, I mean, I already had such a great experience with it, but I think it just would have been even further enriched by like getting to have conversations with people who are in the same situation as me. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to talk to coaches and and to get to hear our perspective, but from peers, it's a whole other thing. Yeah. And hundred percent. Yeah. And I can't recommend it enough. Like I said, it was game changing for me as a, as a high school athlete and as a college athlete. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you have any interest in it at all, head over and and fill out those, those uh, interest forms, those surveys. If you have any questions for us, please let us know, send us a message on Instagram, you know Mm -hmm. where to find us. um, And we'd love to have a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not just for anybody interested in the brain training for athletes program either. Like if you are uh, an athlete coach, a performance coach of sorts, or just involved in the athletic space at all, if, if this podcast has been helpful or interesting to you, if this is something that you would, you know, like to come on as a guest at some point, reach out to either of us, uh, or like I said, to, to our Instagram page for the podcast we are the only ones that kind of check and vet all that stuff. So, you know, that you're talking directly to one of us. So, um, yeah, always, always excited to hear from you guys and can't wait to, to talk a little bit more and see kind of where things land in terms of people wanting to, to join this program and go through this process with us. Yeah. Super stoked about it. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Thank you for listening to yet another week and our third attempt at getting this episode together. <laughs> appreciate you being here for the ride. Third time, um, and third time is a charm. Look at us go. Um, <laughs> but until until we have to start another podcast, a few more times, we will.